Hey friend, and welcome back to the Alex Makes VR podcast. In today's episode, we're going to do a day in the life of a VR director. This was uh, a subject requested um, by a a listener and and new friend, um, Kate, on Instagram. Thank you again, Kate, for for the question. And this is off the back of me talking about my recent production, Um, And she was kind of intrigued to hear what a day in the life of a VR director looked like. So that is what we're going to be diving into today. If you've got a subject, question, whatever, for future episodes, nothing is off limits. Reach out to me and let me know. Alex Makes VR on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to receive all of my insider tips and tricks directly to your inbox. Also, just to kind of give you a gentle nudge and remind you when the podcast goes live, uh, I send out a regular newsletter. You can sign up for that at alexmakesvr.com. A day in the life of a VR director. Ooh, it sounds so snazzy, doesn't it? I'm not going to lie. I feel pretty proud that I am at a point in my career now where I can kind of give insight on this that makes me very happy and I hope that this helps uh, a lot of you thinking about either transitioning over to VR or adding VR to your repertoire because you already direct in other mediums or you're just, um, you know, totally new to the medium and you're intrigued to see how um, how a day in the life plays out for someone who is specialised like me. Um, either way, a quick backstory I have only really been very comfortable calling myself a director for the last, I'm going to say, probably year and a half. So this is, this is quite an interesting story, actually. For a long time, I called myself a producer. And to be fair, I do still do a lot of producing and I do tend to for the majority of projects, uh, especially if they're small and small budget, I will produce my own projects as well as direct them. But it was only really when I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, a fellow VR director, Mary Matheson, shout out Mary, she is brilliant. If you don't follow her, um, go and check her out on all the social medias. If you just search Mary Matheson VR, I'm sure she'll come up. But she was the director behind Google's The Female Planet, which was a 360 series that was put out on YouTube. She's done loads of really cool stuff. And she's just a genuinely brilliant human being, really. And I remember having this chat with her once. And we were talking just in general about the industry and what we both wanted to do in future. And she said to me, so, so do you direct then? And I was like, mm, well, don't really know if you would call it directing. And we, I went on to kind of describe what I'd been doing. And she was like, yeah, Alex, you're a director. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny and so weird that I, for the longest time, I didn't call myself a director because I had this weird image. I'd put this job title on a pedestal and I had this weird image in my head of what it meant to be a director and admittedly and this is something that Mary pointed out she said do you just not feel comfortable calling yourself a director because it feels like you know out of reach does it feel like you you don't want to be perceived as giving yourself this 
very respected title in the entertainment space. And I was like, I don't really know. I just feel... And she went, Alex, if a man was doing the job that you're doing right now, he would be called a director. So you need to stop calling yourself a producer because until you call yourself a director, no one else is going to see you as a director. And that conversation, I don't even know whether she remembers having that conversation with me, but that really did set off a light bulb in my head. And it gave me the confidence to go forward and call myself a director. And also it gave me the confidence to actually take on more of that kind of, um, I was already doing it, but to, to another level, I took on the extra responsibility that you have as a director, because essentially what a director does from, and again, this is one of those things where a director means different things at different levels, in different spaces, on different productions. Everyone has a slightly different definition of what a director is and what they do. But in a nutshell, the director is the captain of the ship when it comes to a project. So obviously, generally, you don't really have a a specific director unless you're working on a fairly big creative project. Um, And by creative... I don't just mean like, you know, it has to be like an original drama or documentary. You know, you can still be a director on a corporate shoot. Um, But generally speaking, you are the director when you are working with a group of people and you are the one making all the key creative decisions for the project. The difference between a producer and a director and the reason why I do tend to end up doing both on a lot of projects when there's not a specific uh, producer is um, the director is looking after all of the creative decisions. They are steering the ship. They are responsible for um, making sure that the project uh, is done and done to a high standard and brings to life, like, I hate using this word, but the creative vision of the project. Um, The reason I hate that, by the way, is very self-deprecating. It's because I find it a bit wanky when people are like, I have a vision. Um, But I think that's my own self-deprecation because uh, there's definitely a part of uh, imposter syndrome of like, who am I to have a vision? But anyway, (laughs) whereas a producer is responsible for the logistics and the monetary side of a project. So a producer will be responsible for things like, you know, pulling together the schedule, making sure that everything is on time, uh, making sure that the project is coming in on budget. Um, they're the ones kind of pulling the strings in that direction. They're also, yeah, basically you just think of them, I guess, as, um, someone that is responsible for more of the logistics side of things versus the creative side of things, but you can have creative producers and you can have non-creative directors so it all gets very very complicated but just in a nutshell that's the difference so for me personally um I was directing my all of my own stuff really the 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 main project that I didn't direct was Key to Like which is one of my first original projects and the reason that I didn't direct that is because I was definitely not confident directing actors back then. So this was uh, 2016. Um, I'd only really worked on um, documentary and factual 
programming before. So for those of you who don't know, I worked in television before and I worked specifically in non-fiction television. So I, I only had ever had experience working with contributors and um, what we call subjects, like document, uh, documentary subjects, like people, normal people, um, non-actors basically, presenters and that kind of thing. So I had no real hands-on experience directing actors. And um, for Key the Like, I teamed up with um, Chloe Thomas, who is a phenomenal director of television. And she, this was her first time directing VR. Um, and so in a way, I kind of like helped her shape the directing for Key the Like, because I was more directing, you know, what, what, not directing, because again, it's kind of like you start to tread on each other's toes if you start talking <laughs> you know she was directing the action and she was her job was to bring the script that I had written for Kida like to life my job was to um kind of think about the technical side so I, I guess on that project I was kind of acting more as a DOP thinking about the actual technicalities of the shoot and thinking about where we wanted the camera, etc. And then we had like a camera operator who was there to look after the actual capturing of it all. So it was anyway, it was all messy. But anyway, that was one of the only projects that I've ever done in my career, really, that I haven't personally directed. Um, but like I say, for the longest time, I don't want to call myself a director. And that's really funny. And that's something that you should know. If you are the person steering the creative ship, if you are the person either coming up with the idea and like thinking about what you want it to look like, how do you want the scenes to to play out? How do you want people? And, and this is the thing. You can, you can be a director of um, people and of presenters and people that aren't actors. You're still a director. Um, you are controlling everything creatively in frame when you're creating a, when you're directing uh, a VR or a 360 piece. Now, of course, if you're the only person on the shoot, if you are self-shooting, I, I mean, I don't know, some people would call themselves self-shooting directors. I would usually call myself like a creator in that point because I'm kind of dealing with everything. I'm the director, the producer, the editor, the colour grader, the sound recordist. I'm everything on a shoot when it's just me. Um, but when you start to work with multiple people, when you're the director, you are essentially the person running the show. So what does a day in the life of a director look like? Again, this is going to really vary depending on what kind of project you're working on, how long you've been doing it, um, whether you are also the uh, producer or exec producer on something. And the difference between those, by the way, which has taken me ages to figure out because no one seems to have a concrete definition of any bloody job title in this industry, which is not surprising really because it's so new that we're inventing jobs as we go along. Exec producers basically just have, well, A, they usually are the ones putting the money in or they've found the money um, and they have the ultimate kind of say on where it's going and what the business kind of strategy is for the piece. Um, they're very hands off usually when it comes to the creative side. They are also not, they are not in the weeds doing things like schedules or call sheets or um anything like that. They are purely there usually either to liaise with the client 
and to oversee the project or usually they're the ones that have found the money for it and so they have like you know a kind of a little they have a little bit of say on um the bigger the bigger creative decisions as in so for example a director will set what actually uh you know happens in a scene and what the actors are doing and that kind of thing but ultimately if the piece was commissioned to be um I don't know, a seated threed off experience and that's what they've put money in, you as the director can't make the decision to make it a um, sixed off room scale interactive experience because, again, that's not what's been assigned. So if you think about it, uh, if you if you have a client, they are essentially the executive producer because they are the ones giving you the money, but they are also the ones that have certain expectations of what you are delivering. So let's talk about a day in the life. So when it comes to shoot days, a day in the life of a director is pretty simple. You show up on set, you usually either, if you've not met the crew before, if you've kind of, you've not done any prep or whatever it might be, you might uh, have a bit of a huddle um, and kind of set your expectations for everyone. You maybe give them the big overview kind of creative statement about the project. So um, if it was, um, I don't know, let's say uh, a recent project of mine, it would be kind of saying, okay, so uh, today we're going to be obviously, you know, we're all here to create this project. You're all familiar with the script. You're all familiar with the fact we've got two days to shoot this piece. Um, I'm really looking forward to working with you all, but um, here's my expectations for the day um, and here's how I want things done. So as a director, people should be looking to you to make all of the decisions, okay? And this is Again, I could do a whole separate episode and I will at some point do a whole separate episode about the difficulties with potentially being a woman and a particularly young woman in this position when you're working with a lot of particularly older men. This this part of the piece, this this setting expectations and getting people's respect so that they do come to you for decision making um, is quite important. And it's something I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm the best at it because I still struggle with this every single shoot at some point. So um, just, to, just to throw that out there as a little preview for maybe a future um, episode. But once you've done that huddle, then it's go time. So your job depends on what the, the shoot is. But for me, I pretty much exclusively work on shoots with story and actors now. So my job then is to set my um, technical crew up and make the decisions like, so I want the camera here. I want it facing this way. Um, the action is going to happen here. So if you could make that happen and also have, um, you know, set expectations for, I want to be able to preview the shot afterwards, or maybe you're previewing before, whatever it is that you personally want to do as a director in terms of the way you want to work, that will be totally dependent on you. But for me personally, I generally like to you know, set up the camera, I want to see a preview photo from that point of view at pretty high res in a headset so that I can see what that looks like from that camera position. Then I'm going to bring in the actors, we're going to rehearse it uh, in the location, I'm going to set their uh, movement blocking, I'm going to make sure that they're comfortable doing that. 
we'll then do a couple of rehearsal takes. I want you to film one of the rehearsal takes and I want a rough stitch and I want to be able to see that in a headset before we go for an official take. That's my personal preference. So then the technical crew, they get on with doing that. I move on to um, sitting with the actors and running through the lines. And at this point, usually we've done a rehearsal. So um, I've already kind of set expectations around tone and emotion and everything like that. But if not, if we're meeting on that day, then we will do that there and then in the rehearsal. So I'll be like, this is, you know, we're going to block out the movement when we get into the location, but let's just talk tone and emotion. Oh, I want the pacing to be a bit faster or a bit slower. This scene really needs to communicate this. So, you know, your character's motivation is this, all of that kind of stuff. So you set that with the actors, you set that in motion, do a few run throughs. If you're on a client project, you will use usually have a client present to be signing off your creative decisions. Um, this is the big difference, obviously, with working on a corporate versus a um, uh, creative project, is that ultimately, although you're the director and you're there to steer the creative ship, the client is the one that has ultimate sign off. And please, please, please don't make the mistake of just going absolutely wild and just doing it as you want to do it as the director, because you've got a vision only to then get uh, to the end of the day or show the final piece and the and the client say oh well that's like totally not what we wanted or that tone totally won't work for our company or you know that's totally inaccurate the way that they've done that if it's based on you know workplace training or something and that you know it's like oh that person wouldn't speak to that person whatever it is just make sure that you are checking in with the client and having them sign off decisions as you go that is so so important on corporate jobs um so yeah, so you've done the rehearsal, the tech setup's all good, you've had a look, you've, you're happy with the camera positioning, everyone's like checked all those boxes for you, you're good to go, right, let's get the actors in position. So you get the actors in position, I'm specifically talking, I think you would have gathered this by now, about 360 video production right now. Um, so you get the actors in position, you then run the blocking, which means you're running the choreography if they've got movement, if you want them to, you know, slap the table at a particular time, like, or you want them to interact with a prop or you want them, you know, I, I want you to be this far away, but then get really close, like whatever it is, you're setting the movement, then you're doing your rehearsal takes. And again, your job as the director is to, obviously, you're the kind of puppeteer of all these different moving pieces so there are so many things happening underneath you you've got the technical side of things like they are dealing with all of the tech setup you've got the production um uh, logistics side of things are we running on time is everything logistically right does that person have the right wardrobe does you know is lunch on order all of that kind of stuff you've got loads of like uh things happening underneath you and your job is to kind of a, be the decision maker for a lot of that, but also make sure that you're pulling all of that together to do the best job that you can for the project. So, you know, for example, okay, we've set this in motion, we've done a rehearsal take, shit, this this uh, location we've got is actually really bad. We didn't spot that, you know, there's a, there's a really bright window or there's a really noisy thing happening next door. Okay, so it's your job to, like, set people in motion to go and deal with those problems. Okay, DOP, can we do something with the, 
with that um, window? Is there any way, have we got any like anything that can block the window? Can we move the action around so that we're not capturing that side of it and we plate it out in post-production? You're having to make all of those decisions. Basically, you are the senior decision maker. You're having to make a million decisions every hour. Um, That might be an exaggeration, but whatever, sue me. Um, So, once you're kind of like you're overcoming those hurdles, maybe you see the rehearsal take in um, a headset, you're happy, excellent. Okay, let's go for a recorded take. So this is obviously when the uh, kind of the traditional idea of a director comes in, which is the whole, you know, quiet on set. Okay, and then everyone's happy, you're all good. And then you say action. Uh, And then everyone performs. And then when you're happy with it, like, obviously, if something goes wrong, if someone fluffs a line, if, if something you've spotted something you're not happy with, or whatever it is, obviously, you're going to cut. But or you let the take run, and then you yell cut, and then it's your job to decide whether or not that was the take. And this is the big part of being a director is having the confidence and the the kind of trust in your ability to decide when is <laughs> have basically have you got what you needed from that scene. That's basically the biggest part of your job as a director is to be able to say Yep, that was the one. And this is a skill that takes ages to get comfortable with because it takes a lot of trial and error and it takes a lot of kind of knowing what isn't isn't going to be good in a headset and it takes a lot of kind of, you know, getting it wrong to then know when it's right. Um but certain amount of it is just actually trusting in your instincts. And this is something that I was terrible at for a long time. And this is probably the number one reason why I wouldn't call myself a director until very recently. It's because I didn't trust my own instincts when it came to knowing that we had got the shot. Because ultimately, if you say you've got the shot and then later on down the line, it doesn't work. So it doesn't work in the edit or the client doesn't like it, whatever. That's on your head because you're the director. So really what it comes down to is the fact that you're taking on a lot of risk because ultimately the book ends with you. You are the last line of defense. There are lots of other people that should be doing their job right. But ultimately, if something goes wrong, it's your fault because you're the director. You are the head of the ship. In terms of every project being its own mini company, you are the CEO. So everything is your fault. If it goes wrong, it's also your, you know, (laughs) your accolade or whatever. You get a lot of the credit if it goes right. Whereas often, obviously, it's always a team effort. So this is the big thing. Um, Hang on. Let me finish that thought because there's so many things to talk about. Um, that's the, the general overview of what my job looks like, like a day in the life of a director. That is the idea of like one scene. And then obviously once you're happy with a scene, you say, great, let's move on to the next scene. And then you just work your way through until you finish the whole thing. That is generally speaking, how my day looks as a director on set. But going back to what I was going to say earlier, before I finished that thought, This is obviously a totally subjective way of working because every director is going to have their own way of working, their own process, their own workflow, the 
their own way of how they like to do things. I personally like, especially on a 360 video shoot, I like personally to set the tech team up and know what we're going to do with that before I start rehearsing with the actors. And I have a particular way and sequence that I like to do things, which has been very trial and error. error, And it's based on a workflow that is A, the most efficient, but B, means that everyone can do their job to the best of their abilities. And that's all you want, really. And this is what I was going to say is, is I am a very collaborative director. So I really like hearing people's ideas. I like hearing other people's opinions. I also know that My team, when I work with a crew, are the best at their jobs and I'm not going to pretend like I know the ins and outs of their job. I've spoken before that it's very important that you do have a good sense of what everyone does and you know a little bit about the process so that you can hold a conversation and you can make educated, creative decisions that are going to save you a lot of headache and you don't have to rely on someone telling you what is and isn't possible. But realistically, your crew should be very good at what they do in their particular job. So I don't like to baby people. I don't like to tell people how to do their job. Um, But I also put a lot of trust in them to, if they've got an idea that might benefit the the tech side of things, if they've got an idea for like, you know, oh, uh, what about if we did something like this? I am more than happy for someone to talk to me about those ideas and then I will make the decision whether or not to give it a go or whether I think it's a good idea and this is the thing that annoys me about crew when when crew do make suggestions and then you don't take them on board if a crew member gets a bit arsy about it sometimes you need to take them aside and explain to them that the reason you've made that decision and you shouldn't really have to explain yourself because you're the director it's at the end of the day it's your decision but Um, I would always explain that, you know, the decision I'm making is not just a creative decision. I, in the back of my head, have all of the things that are in the balance when making a decision. So, for example, if someone comes to me with a great idea, but in my head I know, well, that won't work because you know, the delivery format for this is going to be X, Y, Z. I know that the kind of like audience that are going to be seeing this are going to be X, Y, Z. So that wouldn't work for them. Um, Or even something as simple as I know that we are running tight and we've got another scene where an actor is less confident at um, memoring their lines and we need more time on that scene than this one. So I might turn down an idea for that reason. It's not always like if I had all the time in the world and all the budget in the world, I would try everything because I feel like in our medium, we need to be open and collaborative to working and on other people's ideas and, and trying everything to see what works. Um, but often is the case that you have to make those decisions based on everything else that is hanging in the balance. Um, but having said that, I am a really collaborative director. The thing that does annoy me, and now I just feel like I'm just going on a bit of a personal rant, but the thing that does annoy me slightly is when people will try and make those decisions and they will try and talk directly to the actors or they will try and talk directly to the client or whatever it might be and they will overstep the line. As the director, every decision should come through you. You are the decision maker on set. Even if the client is there and they're the ones paying for it, 
you are the only person that should be talking to that client unless you've like put someone else in charge of it. But you're the only one making decisions. So if you are a crew member on another director's set, if you've got an idea, if you've got a question, if you've got something that needs a decision being made on something, you go to the director. You do not... Um, overstep them or go above them or go directly to a actor and tell them your idea whatever it is you should always go through the director and that can be sometimes where things get a little messy in terms of being a collaborative director because sometimes when you work I've worked on on sets where the director is an absolute dickhead but no one would overstep the mark with them because you would know that you'd be in for a real bollocking if you did so you you instantly knew like I'm not going to try anything because I just know that that could be a recipe for disaster and I could get fired so the only slight thing if you are going to be a more open collaborative kind of I would say fun director um you do sometimes need to have to re-establish those parameters with people that you work with because sometimes people when people can confuse collaborativeness with um uh kind of I don't even know what the word is, but it kind of can sometimes feel like people have a bit more control than they actually do, because ultimately, as the director, it's your project. So, so yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Obviously, this episode is already 30 minutes long, so I'm going to stop talking now. But <laughs> um, this is this was purely just a kind of day in the life of being a director on set. Obviously, there's loads that goes before the shooting day that we could talk about. And if you enjoyed this episode, let me know and I'll be more than happy to share details about, you know, what a day in the life of a director looks like in pre-production, in post-production. What are some of the decisions you have to make before you even go into the production? How do you handle, um, you know, uh, difficult um, situations on set? Like any kind of questions that you've got, please do feel free to reach out and ask because um, I'm an open book and I love talking about this stuff and can clearly talk for England. So... <laughs> I'm going to sign this episode off here, but if you enjoyed this and you got value from it, please, it would mean the world to me if you shared the podcast with just one person that you think would get a lot of value from it or take a screenshot of the podcast right now and share it on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever you're hanging out just to, to get the word out would really mean the world to me, um, especially if you're getting some value from this. If you've got a subject or a topic or anything you want me to cover in future, please reach out to me. Alex makes me on Instagram and Twitter. And that's it for today, guys. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in the world. And I will speak to you again very soon.